Oh, hi, everybody. Thanks for joining me today. This is the Prepper Today podcast, and I'm Steve White. Well, this is going to be episode number six. This episode is going to be about creating your home seed bank. So, uh, a lot of us garden, and this is a great time here. I'm recording this here in late July. And you think, well, geez, why would you create a seed bank in the middle of the summer? Well, for a number of reasons, but we'll get to those in just a minute. Before we get started, I want to go ahead and uh, thank a couple people. Uh, first, I want to thank Glenn Fink. Uh, he's the musician who created our intro music. I want to send a quick thank you to, to Glenn. And if you're interested in hearing more of his work, both this song as well as the rest of his album and some of his other recordings, uh, if you go stop by preppertoday.com slash resources, I have a link over to his site as well as to his CD over at CD Baby. So, yeah, Glenn's a great musician, and I want to thank him for that. A second person I want to thank in this episode is going to be Dina. Uh, Dina sent me a comment uh, through the website at prepfortoday.com, and uh, I want to thank you for that comment, and I really appreciate that. Uh, very encouraging. So, on to the topic. Uh, what we want to go ahead and talk about, uh, as I mentioned, is going to be the seed bank. Uh, we're going to create a home seed bank. A couple different ways that people manage their seeds now for their gardens or flowers. And those range everywhere from keeping them in a basket, keeping them in a drawer. Uh, some people have them a little more organized, and they have them in like a Rubbermaid box where it's a little more airtight. Uh, personally, I, I store mine in mason jars, wide mouth uh, pint mason jars, and then I label the top by variety. But we'll get to all that in just a moment. Uh, first, we'll talk about what is a seed bank. Well, a seed bank is just that. It's a bank for your seeds. Uh, you can't always run to the store and get the seeds that you want. Sometimes it's just because the varieties aren't available anymore, and sometimes it's simply because it's out of season and they don't have the seeds. Let's say you want to start your seeds uh, in January as opposed to waiting until March to go ahead and start. Uh, sometimes you can't find them in the stores. You could do some of the mail order and some of the mail orders that will have them available that early, but sometimes even those you'll have not have to wait until they, uh, till they ship them uh, later in the season. Uh, that's especially common uh, when there's live cuttings and things like that. You kind of you can request them wherever you want, and they're going to ship them when they're ready. So, uh, something else you can do with uh, by building a seed bank year-round. Here we are. Like I said, we're coming here uh, late July, heading into August, uh, and a lot of places are going to be putting their seeds on clearance or starting to mark them down. So this is a great opportunity to go ahead and stock up on those seeds at a good good discount, and you can go and put them away, put them in uh, store properly, and they'll, they'll last for years. Um, yes, they have a year that they're packaged for on the on the uh, packet, but I've got many seeds that I've been growing, especially tomatoes and peppers and things like that, where the seeds are five to seven years old, and they still I still have an excellent germination rate if they're stored properly. So some of the benefits of having having seed banks uh, it saves you a lot of money. Uh, it gives you an opportunity to trade seeds with people, um, let you go ahead and have what you need ahead of time, so you can go ahead and start if you want to go and start sprouting for a fall garden or, for, like I mentioned, for a real early garden. Or there's even things that you can grow through the winter, like our, one of our previous episodes uh, on growing lettuces in containers. You can you can grow those year-round if you either have a, a good southern exposure uh, with some with some good sunlight or if you have a, a, some type of lighting system, you can get those growing. So where do you get your seeds? Well, there's a number of ways, number of places that you can get your seeds. Uh, one is you can save your own. Um, if you have something like an heirloom or something along that line, and I'll explain the difference between the heirlooms and the the F1 hybrids, uh, some of the GMOs and some of that in just a bit here. But you can save your own seeds for certain types of varieties. And you can also go ahead and you can buy seed packets at the local stores. Uh, that's something uh, many of us have done and will continue to do. 
you, you buy them when they're available. A lot of times I'll buy more than just the the packet or two that I'm going to need for that specific season so I have some depth in the seed bank in case I can't get that same variety later or I can't find it later. Or just straight to have the convenience of having them uh, to go ahead and trade and, and share with friends, especially if it's an excellent variety. You give somebody some of the some of the produce and they really enjoy it and surprise them and give them, give them some of the seeds so they can grow their own next year. So that's always a nice thing to do. Of course, you've got seed catalogs. You can help help some of the, the individual uh, seed companies. Uh, there's a lot of them out there, and uh, they do a really good job. I've ordered a number of seeds. A lot, of the, a lot of times in the seed catalogs, you'll find specialty items that you really don't find anywhere else. You don't find in the retail channel. Uh, you're also uh, helping out the small guy, helping somebody compete in the big market where you have some of the big players like Burpee and some of the others, uh, Monsanto, I think, is is uh, owning a number of seed companies. But uh, by helping some of the smaller guys, you can help you can help the, the family seed growers and and the seed exchanges and things like that. Kind of continue on the variety within the, within the seeds, so it's not just the, the the standard mainstream stuff that you see in the big box and the seed racks. Another option uh, to get seeds is you trade for seeds. You can trade with family, friends, coworkers. Uh, so there are some seed seed exchanges and. Um, HeirloomSeedSwap.com is a good example. I've I've exchanged seeds on there. I've gotten some snake. I've gotten some uh, different types of pumpkin seeds and some pea seeds, and just exchanged uh, heirloom tomatoes and pepper seeds for things. So it's it's a neat opportunity there. Uh, along the same line, you have Seed Savers Exchange, where you can belong and you can you can order seeds there as well. So there's a wide assortment of seed catalogs. You can order those catalogs. Um, all through all through the year, I like to order mine in the winter time, and that way they kind of show up, and you have something great to to read through and look forward to, and then you can order what you want, and give you some time to go ahead and get things started before they're ready. Uh, let's talk about saving your seeds. That was the first thing we mentioned. Well, what does that mean? Well, there's a number of ways that you save seeds. If you have something that you like, uh, you you grew and it was very very good, you can go ahead and let some of that fruit go ahead and develop on. Uh, beyond where it's ripe and let it mature and get its seeds. Um, this is very common with a lot of things like beans and things like that where you let them go and they dry. They dry in the shell and then you can, you can shell those. Shell those. Um, another good example is, I think I've got a video I can go ahead and put a link to here, for kale seeds. We had some red Russian kale and just went ahead and let that go to seed and open and, and open those seed pods and uh, save those. So continue down those were an heirloom variety and continue to save my own seeds. I bought those pack at once, and it's been years, and I still have the same same variety going. And that happened to be an heirloom. And then the question becomes now from there, naturally, is, well, you see things where they call them heirlooms and hybrids, or heirlooms and uh, hybrid varieties and GMOs, uh, just wild crafted and so on. And what's the difference there? Well, first I'll start with what wild crafting is. Wild crafting is basically taking and harvesting something from nature as it is. Um, that's basically you get what the natural variety is. Uh, we have some examples here on our property where we have some mint and we have some other uh, wild garlic, things like that, that are just, just wild. They're just wild to the property. They they weren't put there. They just, nature did its thing and we've got these in our, on our property. So those can be harvested and you can continue to work through the strains. And as you choose the best of the best of the of the plants and the best of the harvest and continue to save those seeds and kind of improve year to year uh, that builds uh, a seed variety that's specific to your to your climate to your soils 
And what you're actually doing there is you're actually creating an heirloom seed because that seed is specific to your growing environment. It's been kind of brought up and, and selectively um, helped along the way through its progression. So that essentially is what an heirloom seed is. An heirloom seed is a seed who's been harvested and its and its fruit have been harvested and they have been harvested and harvested and harvested and then held the seeds have been continue to grow through those generations um, so that they're really strained into uh, the best the best uh, the best results for that specific climate. Uh, next, we're going to talk about what hybrids are. And there's a lot of confusion between what a hybrid and a GMO is, and, and they're not the same. A hybrid is a cross, a cross-pollination or a cross between two types of plants to, or two types of uh, variety to come across with a, with a third variety that has traits similar to or better than the parents. Um, some good examples of some of, the, some of those are going to be so there's some of the corns are going to be a hybrid variety. Uh, tomatoes are another good example. Well, they'll take and they'll cross two types of tomatoes to come up with a third type of tomato. Um, if you like the Super 100, the small, super sweet cherry tomatoes, those are a good example of a hybrid. Um, those are actually, uh, if you were to grow seeds from a hybrid, you will not necessarily get the traits of the parent or parents. Um, and it's kind of a, it's kind of a crapshoot because you can grow multiples and some of them will have varieties from one or the other or be similar to what the child plant was. Uh, you'll hear reference to what an F1 variety is, and the F1 is the first generation of the cross-pollination, of the, of, the, of the hybridization. So say you had seed, you had plant 1, and you had plant 2, and that became the F1 hybrid. And then let's say you had the F1 hybrid and you grew it again and crossed it with something else, that'll be an F2 hybrid. You don't even normally see the F2s in the commercial market, but... Um, that's what the F1s are. They'll grow. Some of them will, will produce fruit. Some of them will grow inert. It really depends on the plant. It depends on a number of factors that are really beyond the control. That's why um, you're better off with something like with an heirloom seed or continuing to buy your F1 hybrids. And if you do like an F1 hybrid, the Super Sweet 100 is an excellent example. We really like those. Uh, and we just buy more packets than, we, than, we'll, than we'll need for the years to come. So we always have seed available. So if something happens and it it drops from popularity and you can't find it in the retail channels, then we still have some in the seed bank. Or if we want to share it with people or create extra starts to give away in the spring, which is something that we like to do, uh, you, we have that option. Now we'll talk about what GMO is versus versus the hybrid. And GMOs are actually genetically modified, where they actually go into the DNA of the plant and, and make alterations uh, to to either give them, to give the plant some immunity or some resistance to certain things or to give them enhancements so that they grow better. Uh, GMOs, um, I'm not a big fan of GMOs. Um, it's in a lot of what we eat here, at least in the United States, and it's going to continue to be, for, I think, for a while. But uh, so some of the varieties you may see, that's a lot of that's more in the commercial space, in the, in the large-scale agriculture space. So I don't think you're going to see much of that right now, at least at this point, in the home garden realm. Uh, you see that a lot in corn and soybeans, definitely. Uh, cotton seeds, uh, there have been some recent media coverage of some some GM wheat that's gotten into the open space out in, uh, I believe it was Oregon. Uh, so there's it's there, and there's other there's other pieces as well. I think rapeseed, which is uh, canola, I think is in that same realm. Uh, actually, it is. Um, there is GM in canola, so... But that kind of gives a little bit of an overview. Uh, let's talk about the seed bank of what uh, different ways that you can store your seeds. 
Uh, there's a number of ways. Like I mentioned, some people store them in a shoebox. Some people put them in a Rubbermaid tote. Uh, personally, for organi organizing them, I like to put them in pint mason jars, the wide mouth mason jars. I put a post-it note, a small post-it note on the top of what the variety is, and I stack all my sets of seeds in a number of jars. So I'll have, I'll have leafy greens in one, I'll have vegetables in another, flowers in another, tomatoes in one, peppers in one, depending on what you have and however you want to arrange them. And it works out really well because then you have an airtight, waterproof container that you can go ahead and you don't have to worry about something getting into them. If you, if you leave them in the barn or in the garage, you don't have to worry about mice being able to get into them. Uh, you want to keep them out of the heat so you can store them in the basement in a cool space. You don't have to worry about the mustiness or humidity there. Um, we like to store ours in, in a refrigerator. We have an extra refrigerator in our, in our lower level. You go and store those in the, in the veggie trays in the bottom of that, and then that way they stay cool year-round. And we've had excellent germination rates for years by using that method. Another option, some people like to use the Rubbermaid totes with the snap-top lids. Uh, that's a great option as well. You can kind of easily organize and put little dividers between, uh, kind of like a card catalog, if you remember the old card catalogs in the library. And then uh, you can kind of organize that way. Uh, something else you'll want to do that I strongly recommend is taking an inventory. And I create a spreadsheet. I have a spreadsheet that's that lists all the seeds that we have in our seed catalog. And that includes pits from exceptional peaches and things like that that we've saved over the years. And go ahead and have that catalog, what we have. And I'll, I'll note a number of factors in there. I'll put in what the, the variety, if I know what the variety is. Then I'll also include uh, what it is, the description, where I got it from, what year it was from, and then the additional notes that I have as far as taste, flavor, preferences, and so on. And then that's great because then you have a list that you can share with your friends and family and say, hey, here's a list of the seeds that we have and see if there's anything that you're interested in or anything that you would like to uh, trade for. Uh, so and that's worked out really well. I've made a number of trades with friends that were given the list and they'd kind of check off three or four things and, and I'd bring them in to work the next day and you know made their day. So that also gives you an idea of what you have. And as you go through and you use things in the spring, you can kind of go through and mark off, well, let's go ahead and start the salad greens, or let's go ahead and start the tomatoes and peppers, and you can kind of mark off what you have. As you get low, you know what you need to go ahead and reorder or rebuy at the stores um, if you're running low, or if you just want to have backups. So that's just a couple ideas here. Uh, that's all I had for you today. Uh, just want to remind you, please stop by prepfortoday.com. And you can go ahead and subscribe. You'll get uh, spam-free email notifications of whenever new uh, episodes are posted. And there's going to be plenty more coming. I've got a number that are in the works right now. I apologize for the little hiatus there. Uh, a lot of things have happened this last year. Uh, we've moved. I've changed jobs. I'm in a new company. And it's been a real busy year. So, But I'm back. And I'm getting things all set up here so I can record more regularly. Um, targeting to record once a week and then kind of step that up to twice or three times a week from there. But for starters, this is episode number six. Uh, once again, this is Steve White. Uh, please be sure to stop by prepfortoday.com. If you have any comments, please stop by and uh, leave a comment on this on this specific uh, episode. Uh, it would be very helpful for the community. And uh, I thank you, and hey, have a great day. Striving to do better than before 
And always trying just to make it last It's gotta be something better It's got to be something more Got to be something better Got to be something more 